Hey, this is Pastor Rob Miller from Reclamation Church. Just want to say thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray that this message is completely life-giving and life-changing and that you take the blessing of the Word of God with you everywhere you go this week and pour into somebody else around you. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. I just love that song, Getting Ready. of the story of Mary and Martha. Anybody remember that story? Mary and Martha with Jesus being in their home. I'll I'll read it to you really quick. It says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, it says, now as they were traveling along, this is Jesus, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Doesn't that sound like a sister? Doesn't that sound like some sibling arguments and Don't you care that my sister has left me all alone to do all the serving? Then tell her to help me. Verse 41 says, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Church, you are worried about so many things. There's so much, so many things going on all around us that just steal our focus, steal our our faith, steal our hope, our joy, our peace. And it's like Jesus right here talking to Martha, you are worried and distracted about so many things. And I love what he says about Mary. He says, but only one thing is necessary. You got all these things going on, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part. Or Mary has chosen the good thing. And I love what he says, this shall not be taken away from her. Church, don't be distracted by all of the things. Paul tells us that, for we know that God causes all things to work together for our good. And I want to dive into that scripture here in just a moment, uh, because right before that, it says we don't even know how we should pray. We don't even know. We, we can't even formulate the, the, the request to God because we're, sometimes we're just so distracted. Our focus is everywhere but at the feet of Jesus. I just want to echo what we talked about last week. Rather than throwing all of our expectations and all of these things at God this year, what if we just sought Him and His expectations of us? Father, we thank You for Your presence here today. Holy Spirit, thank You for moving through our worship God, we thank you that you are here in this place today. This is your house. 
This is your home. We're just your visitors. We're your guests today. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have welcomed us to commune with you today. And we look forward to hearing your word, challenging us and changing us today as we look forward with expectation of what you have in store for our lives, in our families, our marriages, this church, this community, this state, this nation, and this world. We pray, God, that you would open our ears to hear, open our hearts to leave here doing, not just hearing. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Somebody high five or air five your neighbor as you sit. So good to be in God's house today. Amen. How many of y'all excited to be here? How many of y'all ready? I love that song. We're getting ready. We're getting ready. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But we're continuing our series today on expectation, focusing on the new year, this new season as we enter 2021. And we're, we're challenging ourselves with this series over the next few weeks. We're challenging ourselves to change our focus and change our perspective on things and where we're going and how we're living our life this year. Because, because we normally, I want to emphasize normally, we normally go into a new year with many resolutions. Anybody? We normally go into a new year with many resolutions. How many of y'all came into 2021 with quite a few resolutions? How many of you have already broken those resolutions? Guys, we're 10 days in, right? I, I made a resolution to not make resolutions, and I've already broke that resolution. I'm going to need help preaching today, guys. I'm, I'm going to need some kind of some action. Okay, so how many of you have already broken some or all of those uh, resolutions? We see it all the time, and we normally go into a new year with many resolutions. But if 2020 showed us anything, if 2020 showed us anything, God is great at disrupting what is normal. He's great at disrupting routine. He's great at disrupting and dislodging some things in our life to revert our focus back to him. Those, those disruptions, those, those, those dislodgements are not meant to push us away but to, or, or to isolate us, but to turn us to God. They're meant to push us deeper and closer into his presence and into a relationship with him. And, and notice I say presence and not necessarily power. Let me hit that really quick. I think we do a great job as Christians. We do a great job uh, every year throwing all that we want God to do at him. We want to see the power of God. We want to see what God can do. We want to see, here's the problem. We want to see the ability of God without seeking the personality of God. We refuse to seek his character. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these other things will be added to you. Everything else will be taken care of. Seek first the kingdom. Some of us just want to stop right there at the kingdom. We just want the benefits of the kingdom. And his righteousness, the character, the personality, the, the attributes of who God is. 
seek his character and uh, and his righteousness. And, and, the, and that's the problem that we have to, to just kind of refocus and, and change our perspective this year. We need the power, but more importantly, we need his presence like never before. We need the I am, not the I do. That makes sense. Moses, in his interaction with God, he said, who am I going to tell? Who am I going to tell Israel that sent me? And God was like, tell him I am who I am. He didn't say, tell him I do what I do. He said, I am who I am. It is, I, it's about his presence. It's about his, his, his amness, who he is, his isness. I read something this week uh, from David F. Wells in his book, uh, God in the Wasteland. He said, we have learned to think of him, that being God. We have learned to think of God through the marketplace. And in the marketplace, everything is for us. Everything is for our personal pleasure. Everything is for our satisfaction. And we have come to assume that it is that it must be so in the church as well. In other words, we transform a God of mercy into a God who is at our mercy. We expect him to do our bidding. And I heard a, I heard a pastor friend speak on this one time. We went to go visit his church up in Minnesota. He said it so great. Here's the problem with a lot of our expectations on God is we end up treating him like a secretary. Y'all heard me preach on this before? We, we expect him to report back to us. We, we come to the throne of grace. We're like, God, these are my needs. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to intervene here. This person needs healing over here. I really need a breakthrough right here. If you could bless me financially so that I can cover this over here. We come with all of these needs, and then we expect an answer. God, God, where is it? I prayed for it. Where is it? It's almost like we expect to say, we, we expect God to be like, okay, hey, hey, Rob, look, I heard your prayer. I heard it. I got you. But see, I'm working out this thing over here for Adrian. And once I finish working out that thing for Adrian, I got to run over here to Daryl because Daryl asked for this really, really big thing that I'm still trying to work together. And then after I finish that for Daryl, then I can work on number two on your list. But then I got to go over here to Junior because Junior had this request over here. We expect God to report back to us on what he's doing. What if we could just learn to stop focusing on what he does and learn to live in who he is? The one who is faithful, the one who is hope, is peace, is joy. And that's the problem. When we're seeking who, what he does, it, our, our faith becomes unshakable because the doing is, is, is linked to our expectations. So we end up having unmet expectations. And so we get disappointed with God. Anybody there? Am I, am I preaching to myself today? We get disappointed, but here's the thing. God is not a disappointment because a disappointment means it's wrapped on failure. But my God cannot fail. And if, you, if we learn who he is, then we understand that he cannot fail. He will not fail. So we need to learn to be in the presence and not necessarily seek his doing amen so god is notorious for for disrupting what is routine to bring us back into relationship to rediscover who, to rediscover is it there is it back on to rediscover 
who he is, not just what he does. And he disrupts what is normal, what has become routine in our life, so that rather than trusting on what is known, because that's the whole point of routine, we know what's coming up. And so we put our, our comfort, we put all, that, all of our emotions into routine because we know what's happening. So, and when, when routine gets messed up, that's when comfort and peace go out the window, right? So we got to change it up this year. We, we got we to gotta learn to run and hide in the one who knows, not just trust the things that are known. Amen. And so we kind of hit that last week. We do a great job of seeking the new things in a new season. But let's change it up. Let, let's seek the one who makes all things new. Amen. 2021 just needs to be a year where we learn our faith cannot be placed in the ways of man. Did y'all learn that at all in the last 11 months? Our faith cannot be placed in the ways of man because that is what is imperfect. And if you place all that you are into what is imperfect, you will continually receive imperfect results. Change change your focus, change your pursuit. I love what, what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them mere rubbish. Somebody say rubbish. This world is rubbish. The things of this world is rubbish. Anything and everything that you could pursue after pales in comparison to the character and power of God. Amen. And he says, so that I may gain Christ. All of these things are lost. All of these things are rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. Knowing who he is. And I, I love what Paul is saying here. The things of this world mean nothing. Can we honestly say that today? The things of this world mean nothing. Let me tell you, if you can learn to look at things from that perspective, to, if, you, if we could learn to take that perspective of this ain't it, this ain't it, there's a hope for tomorrow, there's a hope beyond here, and now there is an expectation beyond what I see around me. If we could learn to adopt that mentality, your life would be full of peace. I can't tell you how since November, was it November we went on that fast? It was, it was October because it was leading up to the election. Adrian and I was like, Adrian was like, we need to go on a fast. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for everything. I said, okay, let's do it. Grudgingly. Because y'all know me. I like some food. <laughs> Any other foodies? Yeah. Hey, Amen. I got a couple in the back. It's worship, right, Tim? Food is worship. So, so we went on this fast, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, ever since then, I've been like, you know what, God? None of this matters. None of this matters. What matters is where my tomorrow lies, where my eternity is, because this is just a vapor, but eternity is forever. And I can't wait to be in your presence. See, that's the thing. We want all of the doing. We want all of the power of God here. But when it all is said and done, when we make it to heaven, it's going to be about his presence anyway. Make it about who he is. Amen. All things are rubbish 
comparison to knowing Christ Jesus, to know who he is, not just what he does. Amen. Because here's the thing about routines. We find a comfort in routine because routine equals what is known. It brings no surprises. It throws nothing unexpected at me, right? It demands nothing extraordinary of me. Routine, this is, this, this is what I love too. Routine is also based on my strength. Routine is based on my skills. Routine is based on my smarts. And I love what, what, what Pastor Dad preached on Wednesday night. He said, it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So sometimes we just need to disrupt our routine to realize and understand it's not about me. Can we admit that this year? It is not about me. Self needs to be crucified this year. In 2021, we're discovering that we cannot rely on our own strength or our own skills or our own smarts. And it's when we get to this point, it's when you get to that realization, that revelation that God begins to move in your life. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. And when we don't know, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what to expect. It, it, it often impacts who we are. And what we do. And we end up doing one of two things. We'll either, we'll either run from God and be completely cold-hearted, or it drives us to our knees before the throne. One of two things happen when, when life gets disrupted, when, 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 we, when our, our what is known becomes what is unknown, and everything just gets flips upside down. And I want to encourage you, run to your knees seeking the one who promises to be found. We're starting the 21 days of prayer and fasting today, and I want to encourage you, this is a time like never before. I said this earlier. This is a time like never before for the church to be on her knees. This is a time like never before for the church to be uh, interceding on the behalf of her nation. Like never before, we need to be crying out to God. This is the time for the church, God's people, the called out ones, the separate ones. This is the time for them to be crying out and seeking after his heart, to seek his face, to humble ourselves and pray. And I love it because he promises then he will hear from heaven and heal their land. But it all starts with humility. It all starts with getting off your high horse. It all starts with getting off the pedestal. Dare I say this, it all starts with getting out of God's seat. Let him be enthroned on your heart. Let him be enthroned in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. I want to break this down today, what this looks like. We're talking about praying. We're going to talk about fasting in relation to our expectations this year. And last week I tried to explain what expectations are and, and how expectations set the boundary uh, for our life, for the way that we live our life. We, we set expectations and everything that we do uh, is, is in within those limitations to pursue that expectation. If we, if we veer to the right or to the left, we've lost focus, right? Even Jesus said the man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is unfit for the kingdom, right? So those expectations, having those visions set the limits, our, our left and right limits, right? Set the boundaries to make sure we stay focused, to stay 
the course. We're not looking left. We're not looking right. Matter of fact, by definition, expectation means we are looking forward to something happening. We're not looking to the left or the right. We're not looking back. We're looking forward to something happening, to something coming to pass, believing it will be done. And those expectations, that, that vision is what gives us discipline to stay within the boundaries or within those limitations. Not because it's limiting us from things, but it's limiting us to a life abundantly. It limits us, it disciplines us to stay the course, to remember that this ain't it, and there's something beyond where we are right here, right now. Let, let me do this. I learned this back in youth group a long time ago. Everybody take your finger and put about six inches from your face. Look at it. Now take your other finger on your other hand and put it about a foot beyond that one. Continue to look at the close hand. Now switch your focus to what is beyond. What happens? It gets blurry. It gets a little blurry. And I was talking with Adrian about this the other day. We were, we were talking about something with the girls. And I said, no, listen, there needs to be clear, definitive lines. Church, we have an expectation of glory. We have an expectation of heaven. We have an expectation and understanding that this ain't it. Say it. This ain't it. Right? And so our, our expectation is that far hand. But what happens when we don't have clear definitive lines and clear definitive boundaries, the things of this world ends up creeping in and changing our focus and sliding itself in front of that far expectation. And it blurs what is beyond because we focus on what is here and now. Does that make sense? And so what, we're gonna, what I'm trying to show you today is we've got to change our focus from the here and now, from all of the things that are trying to creep its way in and distract us and focus on what is coming. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? I love that song. We're getting ready for you. And I even love what Proverbs 29 Proverbs 29, 18 says, we talked about it last week. It tells us that where there's no vision, where there's no divine revelation, people are unrestrained. There's, there's no discipline. People are completely undisciplined where there's no vision, where there's no expectation. So having vision and expectation helps us to find discipline and live a disciplined life or to live a discipled life. And so I just want to talk about a couple of things today regarding discipleship in our life. And honestly, we could go on for hours. We can go on for days about the different aspects of discipleship. But I'm not going to do that to you today. Let's just focus on prayer and fasting. Amen. So over the next three hours, let's just look at prayer and fasting. <laughs> we have to live a discipline, a discipled Life. And I really want to hi highlight prayer and fasting today, learning to pray and fast for godly expectations. Re remember that, godly expectations, not my expectations, not, not dad's expectations, but God's 
expectations on my life, on my marriage, in my home, in the workplace. Because his word tells us, I, I love this. Uh, uh, first, we need to seek, pray and seek for his things, not my things. His plans, not my plans. And I love what the word tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11 and 13. It says, for I know, you've probably heard this before. You see it at graduation time all the time. Jeremiah 29, 11, 13. 29, 11, 2, 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope or an expectation. To give you a future and a hope. And it says, You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And verse 13 says, And then you will seek me and find me, when you search for me with your whole heart, all that is within you, everything. And I think maybe that's where the, the, the hindrances, the, uh, the, the limitation, for lack of a better word, that so many of us experience is because we, we come seeking God with a heart's agenda. That makes sense. Because the heart is deceitful above all things. And we want... What our heart wants, rather than coming to God and saying, look, my heart is yours. Show me. Show me. Tell me. So first and foremost, when we pray, we need to learn to seek for and request his expectations and his plans. I, I want to echo the theme verse from last week coming out of Psalm 62.5. It says, my soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He is the one who shapes our expectations. He is the one who should be giving us our expectations. Like I said, instead of throwing all of our expectations at God, try seeking and searching for his expectations of you this year. So first and foremost, when we pray, we have to learn to seek and request his expectations. In other words, I must admit that I don't know what's best for me. And that's hard. I have to admit that I don't know what is best for me. When it comes to learning to pray for godly expectations, I have to understand that. And Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 8. I was talking about this just a second ago. Romans chapter 8, he says, But if we hope for what we do not see, that's that expectation. Through perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. That's anticipation. We're ready for it. That's the expectations right there. Verse 26 says, now in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. We do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And, he's, and he who searches the heart knows. I like that. Just before that, it was, we don't know. But he who searches the heart knows. And, and let, me, let me continue. Uh, because he intercedes for the states according to the will of God. In verse 28 says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and call according to his purpose. We don't know, but the spirit knows. And because the spirit knows, we know God's working all out anyway. Can we admit that we don't know? 
Let, let's start there going into 2021. I don't know. You know what that shows? Humility. Saying I don't know shows humility. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and allow the spirit to intercede. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And this is what I love. We don't know. We just don't know, but the spirit knows. And it all comes down to that spirit of humility in my life. Seeing godly expectations come to pass means I have to remove myself from the picture. I have to remove myself from focus. And this is what I love. Jeremiah reminds us that what God declares. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. God says, I know the plans. If God knows, that must mean I don't. Amen? It must mean that I don't. And it says, you will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you know me. I love going back to the original Greek, the original Hebrew. I like to do it probably every time I preach. That word pray right there says, then you will know me. You will will come to me and you will pray to me. That word pray right there that Jeremiah uses is palal, meaning to judge. You will come to me and judge. If we look at the definition of judge here, it means to form an opinion or a conclusion. Let me me break this down for you. It means to form an opinion or a conclusion. And this is what I want you to see. God is saying, I know my plans that I have for you. I know my expectations that I have for you. And if you were to just come to me, if you were to just seek my face, if you were to just seek my expectations of you and my plans of you, then I would be forming your opinions and your conclusions. With everything that you pray over, I will be shaping your opinion for it. This is why it is so important to pray for your enemies. This is why it's so important to pray for the people that have wronged you. Because when you take that need, when you take that hurt and that pain and bring it to God and you find yourself, he said, come to me and pray to me. you got to get into the presence of God. It says right here, when you're in my presence, then I will begin to shape your opinions. I can't, I can't. That, that's so true. Think about it. You are in the presence of people and they are shaping your opinions all the time. This is why it's so important to pray for people. Can I just say this? Stop talking about people and start praying for them. Not just people around you. I'm talking about people in government positions. I'm talking about people in state positions. I'm talking about people all over. Stop talking about people and start praying for them and watch God begin to move and change things. Craig Rochelle, y'all know Craig Rochelle? He has a book called Dangerous Prayers. There's a part in there. If God were to grant your prayers for seven days straight, how different would the world look? And here's a problem, probably not very different for most of us. Can I just say that? Because most of us, our prayers are me, 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 me. God, I need this. I need this. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And if anything, if God were to answer the request for seven days straight of prayer in our life, the only world change that we would see is in our immediate world and not across a nation 
for the globe. Come to me. Seek my face. Pray. Let me shape and form your opinions. Let me shape and form your conclusions of people, of, of plans, of things that are happening in this world. And see, what happens when, when, when we allow God to shape those, those, uh, those, the, that perspective and perception in our life, then we live in peace. God, it don't matter. You're all that matters, God. I just need your peace and that peace is found in your presence. I just need that joy, and that joy is found in your presence. I just need strength, and that strength is your joy, which is found in your presence. If we could learn to seek his face, seek him while he can be found. We should be making opinions through the lens of God, through the lens of love. Amen? Our, when, our, when our opinions and conclusions are based on worldly things and found in the presence of worldly things, we're going to receive worldly results. But like I said last week, the church cannot respond the way the world does. We have a hope. We have an expectation inside of us that should be pointing people to life abundantly. When you open your mouth, when you post something, the way you live your life, are you pointing people to life abundantly? Or are you living life divisively? This year, we're going into 2020, 2021 multiplying. That's our theme, multiply. Living life abundantly, thriving, increasing, bringing life everywhere. And, and here's the thing. We do a great job making noise. We do a, a phenomenal job making noise. As humanity, I'm not just talking about like here in the church. I'm not talking about here in the state. I'm not just talking about this nation. The world does a great job making noise. But the church cannot respond the way the world does. I love what Paul says. Paul said that we should live our life with love. Because if we live our life without love, we become a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal just making a bunch of noise. And if you look around us, everybody seems to do a great job making noise. But this is, this is where it needs to be different. This is, this is where it needs to be different. If we were to redirect our noise to God instead of to people, the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. Right? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. So if we could learn to redirect our noise to God and, and pour out all of our, all of our, our pain and, and hurt and, and dissatisfaction, pour it all out to God, redirect our noise to God instead of each other, redirected our cries to God and, and poured out our noise to him and found ourselves in his presence where there is fullness of joy, then he can change the noise that we make into a joyful noise. Because we are then carriers of his presence if we are found in his presence. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And so rather than making noise to people, we make a joyful noise to God. And that redirects people's focus to where there is joy, where there is peace, where there is a solution, where there is expectation, where there is hope. That is the power of the noise that the church should be making. Bringing life and pointing people 
to life. Stop making noise to each other and start making a joyful noise to the Lord. And that joyful noise where a child of God can't, can say, it doesn't matter what it looks like, I rejoice. It doesn't matter what you say, I will rejoice. It doesn't matter whether I get that job or not, I will rejoice. It doesn't matter where, whether my wife loves me or not, I rejoice. It doesn't matter whether I get that healing or not, I rejoice. Regardless, I will rejoice because I understand this ain't it. That's why Paul said, rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Always rejoicing in the Lord and not the things of this world because you cannot find joy in the things of this world. Rejoice in the Lord. Always, no matter what. Can we do that this year? Can we make a commitment that no matter what, I will rejoice regardless? It doesn't look like what I want it to look like, but praise God, he's still on the throne. He's not answering my prayer like I wanted to, but praise God, he's still faithful. And so what happens, and that's, that's what happens when we learn, it's not just about the ability, but the personality, who he is. It doesn't matter whether this, this prayer is answered or not. He is faithful. He is true. He is peace, joy, love. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. I came across this quote this week. Everyone has an opinion. Be an example. And I think that's what the church is missing. Everyone has an opinion. You can't change it. Posting something is not going to change it. I think 2020 showed us that. Shouting it from the rooftop is not going to change it. But you can be an example that leads people to grace. That leads people to the presence where God can shape their opinions and their conclusions. Amen. Number two. I really want to encourage this, this this year in your life. Just, just take me off. Amen. I want to encourage this in your life this year. Live what I pray. Live what I pray. L let me explain that. As a pastor, I'm going to ask this invasive question. Can I do that? I'm going to. How is your prayer life? Maybe I should say, where is your prayer life? But how is, how is your prayer life? What does your prayer life look like? Because the quality of your prayer life is indicative of the quality of your relationship with God. Think about it. Prayer is an open line communication. It's a two-way communication. Think about it in a marriage. How important is communication in marriage? Extremely. Divorce usually happens based on three things. Money, sex, and communication. Unmet expectations is part of all of that. Communication. And, and I think 
I think the probably the biggest problem in the church is that, I mean, think about it. The church is the bride of Christ, right? We are married to Christ, yet we refuse to have open lines of communication. This is often what it looks like. God, I need you to do this. Jesus, remember that person who did this to me? I really need you to take care of that for me. I really need some encouragement. I need a financial breakthrough over here. Amen. Think, think of it this way. Think of it. How many parents do I have in here? How many of y'all have kids? How, how, how many of y'all would die for your kids? How many of y'all would go above and beyond to meet the needs of your children? I don't know about you, but if my kids came to me like, Daddy, John called me a, a brat. Daddy, I fell and scraped my knee. How many of you parents would stop what you're doing and comfort your child, give them encouragement, help them find healing, right? But this is the problem. Look, he is our father. That's not the problem. I'm, I'm getting to the problem. He is our father. Jesus, when he said, when you pray, that's the key word, when. When you pray, pray like this, our Father, who art in heaven. We had a guy come and preach Father's Day last year, Chris Dillard. He said, anybody can pray to God. Only sons and daughters can pray to a father. So this is what it looks like. This is the problem. We come to the Father and say, Daryl hurt me. My, my job really messed up my life. That relationship really messed things up for me. I, I made wrong decisions, so now I'm, I'm, I'm way in over my head on debt and mistakes. Thank you, God, and leave. And we refuse to hear the encouragement and the healing that he wants to pour into our life. Communication is a two-way road. It's, we can't just come and pour everything out and not expect or and, and not get the download. Too many of us are focused on the upload. Where's my upload speeds? Right? But we refuse to get the download. Be a child. Be the bride of Christ. Open communication. If we could just learn to adopt the prophet Samuel's prayer life. You know what he said? He went in to the temple and he said, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. That was his prayer life. What if we could adopt that and just say, God, just speak. That, that's what I love, that verse, Psalm 62, 5. My soul waits silently on the Lord. Speak. Your servant is listening. But here's the thing. When he tells you, when he pours into your life and, and he commissions you to do something, live it. If you're going to pray for salvation in your kid's life, live it. Train them. Teach them. Show them what salvation looks like. If you're going to believe for financial freedom, live it. Start disciplining your life to get out of financial bondage. Live what you pray. I'll say it again. Live what you believe. Live like you believe. Amen. What is the, what is the quality of your prayer life? 
It's that two-way communication. We need to be listening, listening to what God wants to say and to reveal to how God wants to shape your opinions and conclusions. And, and, and I love, uh, let, me, let me ask this, this one's even, this one's even going to be harder and deeper. Does your real life reflect your prayer life? Does your real life reflect your prayer life? In, in, in the prayer, in the, in the Father's prayer, uh, the, the Lord's prayer, Jesus also says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. We expect forgiveness from the Father. We expect grace from the Father, yet we refuse to show it and share it. Live what you pray. It needs to, it needs to be synonymous in your life. Amen. Let me close with this. Number three, we're going into this time of prayer and fasting, having those clear, definitive lines in our life, focused, having those expectations, that discipline in our life. And so we're talking about prayer and fasting to have that discipline, uh, to, to have that reset. We need a, how many of y'all just need a reset this year? Just need a spiritual reset, maybe a physical reset. That's what resolutions are all about, resetting. Think about it. You want to lose 20 pounds, you're resetting your health. You, you want to knock out $20,000 in debt, you're resetting your finances. Resolutions are all about resetting things, making things new. But only God can do that. So, so we're focused on pursuing the presence of God, disciplining our life to have that spiritual reset. So, so I want to close with this one, number three. Prayer and fasting is not something that God needs. It's necessary in my life for discovering his expectations. And I just want to look back at Psalm 23 really quick. The musicians can come up so I can hurry up. I, I want to look back at Psalm 23 really quick. Some of us probably memorized this as a kid. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It might sound familiar. But it's a very encouraging and, and even planting message. It helps us to stay rooted as it encourages us. So I just want to point out a few things from it. Verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. 5 says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and you will anoint my head with oil. And verse 6 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell house of the Lord forever. God is searching for a dwelling people that will dwell in his house, dwell in his presence, seek his face. And we can go into a whole entire sermon with just Psalm 23, but I just want to relate this entire chapter to learning to pray and fast for godly expectations. David, here in the psalm, he understands who is in control. The Lord He's my shepherd. He guides me. And he leads me. He's the one who sustains me. He prepares a table for me. See, when it comes to fasting, fasting is, is beyond just food. It's, it's a spiritual reset. It's a spiritual 
restoration. It's a rediscovery of who God is because it puts us pursuing the presence. It puts us pursuing the person of Christ. So as we go into this 21 days of prayer and fasting, listen, God doesn't need us to fast. We need to fast. We need to fast. To discover the one who leads, the one who sustains, the one who restores, strengthens, anoints, the one who gives life, the one who gives joy, peace. It's a reminder that it's not by might nor by power. When we fast, it's a reminder that it's not based on my strength. It's not based on my ability. It's all the power of God. It's a reminder that it's not about my plans and expectations. We fast to receive those expectations. Fasting draws us closer to discovering his expectations of us, and and, and he becomes all that we desire all that we hunger for, all that we expect to sustain us. As we fast, we discover that it truly is not about me, but what God wants to do in me. Would you stand with me as we close today? The Bible is clear that you gain power in the Holy Spirit through fasting, the spirit of the Lord, Jesus, uh, the spirit of the Lord, led Jesus into the wilderness. Y'all remember Jesus being tempted for forty days in the wilderness. The spirit of the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness, and Jesus it says that he returned in the power of the Spirit because he had remained faithful to the presence of God. The devil threw all that he could to steal him from the presence of God. But Jesus knew the word. Jesus knew the power of the presence of God. And through it all, through the entire 40 days of being tempted in the wilderness, Jesus returned in the power because he remained faithful. And I want to encourage you today, use these next three weeks to dig deeper in your faithfulness, deeper in your loyalty, deeper in your commitment, deeper in your discipleship and practices as a child of God. To grow some roots. Fasting is an opportunity to grow in prayer and in the Word. And if you're not reading and praying as you're doing this over the next three weeks, if you're not reading and praying and and getting into the presence of God, you're not fasting, you're just dieting which is still about self. Get into the Word. This is, this is what I love because we, we go, the child comes to their father and says, I have all these needs. And, and so I, I had this, this, this visual earlier in my head. How many of us go to the Father pouring out our needs and just walk away waiting without receiving healing and encouragement without receiving what God wants to say. And so he sends letters to us to read. Will you open the letter? 
will you hear the heart of God? Will you let him reveal his fatherhood to you? His personality, his personhood to you? Go beyond just not eating. Go beyond just not not posting or however, whatever kind of fast you want to do, whether it's a media fast or a, a sugar fast or, or, or any other kind of fast. Go beyond just doing without something. He needs to be all that you do with. When, when, you, when you're supposed to be eating, get into the Word. Get into prayer. Everything that you would have been doing outside of the fast needs to be God-related, seeking His face and His presence. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you would be, want to be so involved in our life that you would shape our opinions and our conclusions around who you are that you would want us to see things through the lens of love, through the lens of God. We thank you that you would want to be so involved in our life that you sent your son to die on a cross, to bear my sin, my shame, my pain, my death, so that I could be with you, so that I could come to you. And so, Father, over the next three weeks, as as we go into this time of prayer and fasting, Lord, let our focus, let our intent, let our priority be sitting at your feet, just like Mary. Because everything else in this world can fade away, but nothing, nothing can take that away, being in your presence. Father, give us strength, endurance, perseverance to endure till the end diving deeper daily into your word, into your presence, seeking you, seeking your way, seeking your will, seeking your kingdom come, and your will be done. Father, as we seek your face during this season, I pray, God, that you would reveal things to us in our life that need to be completely uprooted. I pray that you would reveal things that we need freedom from. I pray that you would reveal things, Lord, that would bring life to us, that focus on as, as a married couple, to focus on as a family, Lord, to focus on doing things for you together. Devotions, prayer time, worship time, to do them together. As you, as you walked in today, you should have been given a piece of paper and, and hope a pen. If you didn't receive one of those papers or pens, please raise your hand. It's called Expectations 21. And so what I want us to do as we go into this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I want you right now, as we sing this song of worship, I want you to, to list. It says, My Expectations it says God's expectations of me. So I want you to list your expectations this year. Godly expectations. I want you to list where, where you feel God is leading you as a family, where God is leading you as an individual. 
write those things down as we worship with the song. And, and then when you finish writing, when you finish writing out your expectations, I want you to come up here and I want you to pray over them. I want you to pray over them. Intently. Focused. Pray over those expectations. And then I want you to lay them right here at the altar. Because over the next 21 days, our team here, we're going to pray. We're going to look at every single one of these. We're going to pray over these expectations. Maybe you're expecting God to deliver you from addiction. Maybe you're expecting God to deliver you from financial debt, bring financial freedom in your life. Maybe you're expecting God to, to heal a broken relationship. Maybe you're expecting God to, to bring the prodigal son and daughter home. Those are great expectations. And then what are God's expectations of you? To share the love with that prodigal son or daughter. To share that grace. To show grace and mercy. What are God's expectations of you? Maybe it's to pursue ministry. Maybe it's to see people in my workplace saved. And you are the vessel he will use for that to happen. What are the godly expectations? What is he expecting in your life? So as we sing this song right now, I, I want you to focus on this. Pray about this. Write it down. Come up here and pray. And lay it down right here. And over the next 21 days, we're going to pray hard about these requests and expectations. Amen. Go ahead and start writing and we're going to sing. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this week's message from Reclamation Church. We pray it was a blessing to you. We want to encourage you to take this message everywhere, everywhere with you and pour into those around you. And if you would love to be a blessing to the Reclamation Church ministry, you can easily give at our website at reclamationchurch.faith. Scroll down to the bottom and click on online giving. Or you can even text to give any dollar amount to 84321 and set up a giving account with Reclamation Church. Again, we pray that this was a blessing. Be a blessing to those around you this week. And may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you with the light of his countenance and, be, uh, and give you peace this week. Amen. Be blessed.